I'm not a waiver guy. That's that's one of the reasons the Lobos uh, yeah. uh, do not reign supreme is that um, my brother, who's retired, you know, spends hours on the waiver wire. I don't pay any attention to it other than, you know, I try not to start guys who are on a bye week. I try not to start injured guys or guys who have just deceased. Can we just focus on like like that? Like you just like saying out loud how terrible of a fantasy owner you are. It's right. just not beneficial for anybody. Okay, like, I'm sorry. But those are the don'ts. Like, Sia doesn't even have to tell us now. Because just listen to Greg talk right. for a minute. And yeah. You've got your list of don'ts. Right, point. his number one don't was don't start guys on a bye week. So I already covered that's, that. That's true. Don't start injured players. That's, very, that's a very good point. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, everybody. This is a huge episode of the Greg Cody Show for a few reasons. Number one, it's our 33rd episode of the year, so we're going to be spinning like a record. That's Number not, two, that's not an important date. It's our 75th episode overall, so it's like a diamond jubilee, like uh, like Queen Elizabeth. We, we, we need all kind of fanfare music, but here's the biggest reason. It's a big episode. This is our fantasy football prep episode and we are joined by one of the absolute princes and kings a rising star in fantasy football knowledge and expertise uh ladies and gentlemen sia najad yeah sia. how about that this is this is fortuitous greg 33 is my lucky number i was just in atlantic city last weekend they were spinning the wheel and i had my money on 33 this is this are you is serious I, I swear that's a true story only a roulette junkie has their lucky number be 33. <laughs> that, when I play roulette, and, and I love roulette because, you know, I, it's just, it's so simple. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I always play 33. I, wow. always, I begin the game with like two, two or three chips on 33. And it's just one of those insane lucky numbers. And, and I, play, I was playing roulette once, and it was a pretty crowded table. And I, I, I hate a crowded roulette, roulette table. Yeah. I, I, I do you. too, but you, you all may, may know this feeling. I put three chips on 33. The first spin, it hits. And so everybody's like looking at me like, what does he know? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting three chips on, on 33 the first play. It just makes you feel like a big shot. You ended up down two grand. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never let myself lose that much, but uh, I am a big loser at roulette. As I am in fantasy football, segue. So um, we're happy to be joined by Sia. Now, um, Sia, I want to give all your bona fides on, on fantasy sports in a minute but um we know you personally and and the reason is uh i know you first uh in your incarnation as a young attorney why because your boss was my wife and christopher's mother and so before we want to talk about all you're doing in, in fantasy sports right now i do want to talk about how you make a career transition from lawyer to what you're doing now as an on-air presence uh you know, talking about golf and football and betting and all that stuff. How does that happen for you? Yeah, so it's interesting um, working with your wife, Chris's mom, who is an excellent attorney, more specifically an excellent trial attorney. So she kind of took me under her wing and I became what I'd like to think is a pretty good trial attorney. And 
for the record, I only bring that up because the skills are kind of transferable to this industry, obviously. Now, I've been playing fantasy football and doing the degenerate stuff for a couple of decades now, if not more. When I say degenerate stuff, you know, I just mentioned Atlantic City. I was an online poker guy back uh, in the early 2000s, of course. Um, I've played in the World Series of Poker main event, which is a fun story. But the, the, the reality is getting into this industry felt really natural to me because I absolutely love football. I mean, I love all sports, including NBA and PGA, but I really truly love football. And, you know, the short of it is I was able to try to make some connections and it's, it's obviously nice to know people um, like yourselves, but really what it came down to for me is, is generating some content that I could put out on the Twitter sphere, for example, or put in the right people's hands. And when I say content, I'm talking like a 90 second reel, for example, where I've kind of pieced together some things and people can see me in sort of a different light in this media landscape. And then, you know, here we are. We're talking to C and Ajad and, and Wow, Dad, you already did a reset. I think they, they remember who he is. He well, just I, wanted to spe- just- I wanted to spell it so people can follow him and everything because not everybody knows how to spell the name. It's it's S-I-A, Sia and Najad is N-E-J-A-D. And um, right now you're a PGA and NFL analyst for windailysports.com. You're on the First Cut podcast with CBS Sports, a um, bunch of other stuff that we'll get into later. But getting back to the transition you made, I wonder if there was an, an epiphany, a, a moment when you decided to pivot careers, because I'm picturing you in the middle of a boring deposition and uh, <laughs> and your mind is wandering to, uh, geez, whatever happened to Joseph Adai? He was like a fantasy darling for a minute and then he disappeared. You know, how did it happen uh, what what was it like for you where you just had that moment where you're like, I loved lawyering, but then I hated it and I got to move on? So I love that you just pulled Joseph Adai. Yeah, that was a good hat. pull. That was, that good was pull. awesome. The <laughs> yeah. days with him and Manning and, and of course, uh, Reggie Wayne and company, uh, Marvin Harrison. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that, that epiphany actually happened early, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, I loved the people I worked with. I have to say that because obviously I worked with <laughs> yeah, yeah. people who, yeah. yeah no so, uh, but no, no, really. I, She'll I, be I, listening. Yeah, exactly. I, I truly did, by the way. Um, Erlene, the whole host, Carney, all, all, everybody. I really, truly loved working with everybody. But I kind of envisioned myself 10, 20 years from now. And I thought to myself, well, if there is a way for me to do something else that I'm maybe slightly more passionate about. I mean, honestly, Greg, you, you could ask Erlene, you know, whether it's off or on air, she'll tell you I, I was pretty good, but I wasn't exactly passionate over the 10 years that I was I was with under her wing, so to speak. So uh, I, I kind of found some some different outlets and I just kind of went with it. And it's it's a hard risk to take. It's a hard step to take. But at the same time, I still maintain my law license. So I knew I had something to fall back on. And so for those people who want to take those risks, I would say, yeah, go ahead and do it. But make sure the risk is calculated because you want to have a fallback position. Now, some people will say, well, if you think in that mindset, you'll never put all your energy into this new thing. I, I, I don't agree with that. I just think you know, have a fallback position, but absolutely pursue your dreams. Maybe bet on 33 on yourself. Am I right? That's right. <laughs> or or split 33-32. That's the hedge I'm talking there about. There right there. <laughs> um, I hate people, speaking of roulette, I hate people who play all the corners. Why? You know, they play 12 chips on 12 different corners. What do you care what other people play? I don't know. It just drives me nuts. I'm, I'm a single number player, but that's Let's not get into that. I totally do that. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. yeah. I'm just, uh, you know. It, it pisses the dealer off because they have to do all the, like, the oh, counting yeah. and you have the splits in the corners and right on the number. It's. Oh, I would be so bad at that. <laughs> I would get so rattled. There's no way I could I could hold up to that pressure. <laughs> anyway, um, you have a beautiful wife. You have two lovely young kids. 
when you're breaking the news to your wife, uh, how was that received? Is this a fantasy prepisode or the life story of Sienna Jad, Greg Cody? I mean, geez, you're pulling a Dan Levitard right here. I mean, geez, you're just like, ooh, this was an interesting life change. Let me ask three full questions about it. All right, we get it. He took a chance. He bet on himself. He won. But he's he damn good. The, the, the thing I remember about C is I worked at my mom's law office and he was just a, a lawyer, but he was so good at fantasy and he gave me a lot of advice. And I was always like, and then I got on the Levitard show and I was like, I got this guy Sia that's really good at fantasy. And so if you're for the diehards of the Levitard show, he was first mentioned as a potential bit of we should have Chris, Chris's friend Sia on as our fantasy expert that's and, true but now you know now he's got all these cbs shows these golf shows now he's big time so he's no longer his that used to be the main thing on his resume chris's friend but okay now i'm like <laughs> fifth on the list so i'm a little offended by that but this guy's really good at fantasy golf as well but that's not for that's for a different day so i, I think we should get into the nuts and bolts of some fantasy prepisode stuff yeah, it is because it's the official uh, Greg Cody Show podcast. Because Greg Cody is terrible at fantasy football. Well, okay, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make a an admission here, and and it's it pains me to say it. It really he would does. still draft uh, Ryan Grant if you left him. If you let him right now, he would draft Ryan Grant. I I do have guys that I draft every year. Uh, is Devonta Freeman still playing? I don't even know. Um, but <laughs> it, there are there are guys that I just draft every year. For no reason whatsoever. But, see, I want to mention to you that um, uh, my fantasy football team, Greg's Lobos, is <laughs> obviously one of the legendary hallmark franchises in America. Everybody knows Greg's mm-hmm. Lobos because it's been discussed on national radio and all that stuff. But I am here to admit the implication has always been, oh, the mighty Lobos. Well, here's the, the sheet. I, I know we're doing a podcast and nobody can see it, but I'm holding up the all-time PFPI fantasy champions we're entering our 13th season. These are the all-time champions. And the name that you cannot see there is Greg's Lobos. Oh, no. Because in 12 seasons, Greg's Lobos is 0 for 12 in winning his friends and family league championship. So I'm embarrassed. Uh, I'm, evidently, I'm not very good. And um, What's the fantasy I- question? The fantasy question is, why <laughs> do I suck at fantasy sports? <laughs> Greg's Lobos is supposed to be, like, really good. I've been putting a, a Lobos mint under my pillow for 12 bleeping years and dreaming big, and nothing has happened. Now, I do tend to draft quarterbacks way too early. Um, I, I just want you to give me a tutorial on the basics. We're, we're a PPR league, uh, snake draft, the, base, you know, the basic <laughs> league. What, what am I doing wrong? What, what, what should I be doing? Well, generally – Drafting a quarterback early is not a good idea, Mm. although there are certain exceptions to that. Um, But you never really want to draft a quarterback super early. So what I mean by that is I would be fine if you drafted, let's say, Kyler Murray. Did you say it was a 10 or 12 team league that this Uh, 10? So, okay. so if you're in a if you're in a 10 team league and you're drafting Kyler Murray, let's say in the sixth round, that's great. That, that's not early. Even if you're drafting him, I mean, in a 10-team league, it's a little rich, but if you're drafting him in the fifth round, yeah, it's probably a little early. But the point is, you have to kind of qualify what early is. I, I don't want to take Mahomes in the first round. I probably don't want to take Lamar Jackson in the, in the first or second round, but I'm happy to let other people take him and then take a guy that is Lamar Jackson light or Josh Allen light in the fifth or sixth round. So Greg, it's all about identifying value. You don't want to necessarily draft the names that pop. You want to draft the names behind the guys that pop. And, and in this case, I would say at quarterback, Kyler Murray would be the guy. So if you wait to the fifth or sixth round, Greg, to draft, let's say again, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use Kyler as an example. 
Now what you can do in those first four rounds, grab a running back with your first pick, as you might expect, I'd say. Grab a top flight receiver with your second pick. I think there's eight elite wide receivers this year. So you can grab any of those eight guys and then just start just start loading up. So now you still have two rounds before you're going to draft a quarterback or maybe 10 rounds, depending on what your strategy is. Load up on running backs. There's, we're really deep at receiver. So then you, you hit receiver again, maybe in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. And now all of a sudden you have a great quarterback. You have two top flight running backs, if not three, and you have a top flight receiver and a bunch of high upside receivers in round six through nine. Okay. Explain this further because I am the kind of guy who, if I'm drafting seventh or eighth, I may pick Patrick Mahomes in the first round and everybody's <laughs> howls, laughter and bleep it. I did it anyway. And here's my logic. I'm looking at a list right now of last season's leading scores, leading fantasy scores in PPR. It's such a nice. Okay. The, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are 10 plus quarterbacks who scored more fantasy points than Derrick Henry, the top running back. So why is it bad to pick a quarterback first? You just answered the question for yourself. You did. Because what you're doing is looking at points per game relative to that same position. Right. So in other words, I think last year, Patrick Mahomes, his points per game relative to the number two quarterback was only two points. It was only two points more. And then go on down the line to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The, the, the gap between Patrick Mahomes and let's say the sixth or seventh rated quarterback, it's not going to be as big of a gap to bridge as you might see with uh, a running, like a top flight running back or like a third tier running back. So you, you all, your perspective needs to be within the position, not QB versus running back. All right. So when my brother is drafting quarterbacks with his first two picks, Dick's Rough Riders, right? It's just a ridiculous strategy on his part. It's absurd. He should not do that. <laughs> but yet he still does well every year. It's annoying. He does. My He's uncle, he does championships. The, He always drafts his second quarterback before most people have their first. And he's still like, and we mock him. And then he's always at the top of the standings. And we're always like, Ugh. Well, you, you realize what's, what's happening there. No. You guys are that bad that <laughs> oh, he geez. can afford to make two huge mistakes and still win two championships. <laughs> Um, see, I, I want to, we should probably be doing this off air in private, but I want a business proposal to you. Um, Greg's Lobos is offering you the position of general manager in charge of the draft. And um, I don't know if I, I don't allow this. What are you talking about? What do you mean you don't allow this? Why not? Well, Greg has seniority. I mean, geez, like like, we can just bring in people. We can hire people onto our teams. I mean, You know, Greg Lobos is a major enterprise. I'm talking about adding to my staff by hiring a qualified general manager. I remember back when Sia worked with my mom, she would always come into this draft and be making picks that I was like, she talked to Sia. I don't like this. She she would be picking someone in like the third or fourth round. I'd be like, no, 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 no. This is fishy. (laughs) See, this is a Sia pick. I can smell this from a mile away. (laughs) Sia is to your mom as Inferno is to Stugatz. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I was like, I was, I was like, this is not, even though I was doing the same thing. I'm like, Sia told me that that's supposed to be my sleeper. (laughs) I would, I would go into her office with a top 200 sheet the day before the draft and i would basically <laughs> highlight the people that i thought were of value like that like that their their draft position or rank was was way too low and that she would basically draft all of those guys so see ya, i've got a maybe a dumb question but uh have you ever done any like analysis as to like how funny or cool someone's name is versus does it correlate to better wins or worse seasons it's funny because is uh, that funny is that a good question 
Well, it, well, no, it, it's actually a, a good question, but but I, I want to couch it in, in the context of like like the PGA where I do some DFS work too. And it, and a guy who has like a like a cool sounding name will always get picked over a guy who has like a very <laughs> normal, boring name, no matter how like the metrics, you know, are related to each other. So uh, the answer to your question is there's no correlation, but yet people tend to draft the cooler name guys. Oh, no, I meant uh, the creative names for their fantasy teams. Like oh. uh, my friend Megan used Rolling With Mahomes. Um, that's terrible does that, that is, is someone's ability to come up with a with a with a funny name or a creative name does that equate to more or less losses so i'll tell you this the name of my team ever since 2001 when i started this was pouring rain but rain is spelled wait for it r-e-i-g-n wow and i am really good at fantasy football so yes there's a direct correlation. <laughs> i like it uh well uh, see you last week on the podcast we interviewed a man named greg lobo and the name of his fantasy team, um, I, I think it's one of the best names I've ever heard. He's, he's uh, a Giants fan. He hates the Eagles. And the name of his fantasy team is My Ball Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so I listened to that episode because <laughs> yeah. I'm a faithful listener, Greg. Um, I have a bone to pick with all of you, though. Right. Oh, but by the way, Greg, Penny Marshall, number two on Mount Gregmore. I really, really respected that. Laverne and Shirley is a, is a timeless classic. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Can, can I just, just just deviate just a little bit? I think booths are uncomfortable. I take the oh. chair every time. Oh. Booths, and here, here's why. Here's why. Because booths are too low. They're too low. So like you feel like a toddler, like you almost like got to like get up onto the table. What restaurants are you going to with these low booths? <laughs> every single one. It's it's always too low. Maybe that means like my torso is short or something. Maybe ah. I'm coming to the getting to the bottom of something. Sure but, so. <laughs> <laughs> give me the chair all day. Oh, man. I couldn't disagree more, but it's fine. That's for that's that's another thing for another day. All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to um, ask you about a couple of specific uh, football players vis-a-vis fantasy drafts because these are unusual situations. Um, one is Deshaun Watson and all his legal issues. Mm-hmm. He's normally, I, I would guess, a top five quarterback. Um, is he one of these guys you want to avoid like the plague because of what might happen? Well, you don't want to draft him in the first. If you have a 16 round draft, I wouldn't draft him in the first 14 rounds, but I would prop because here's the thing. I don't know what's going to happen with his legal case. I, I can't even as an attorney, I can't really offer an educated opinion because everything's been kind of under the radar for the last, I don't know, month and a half, two months, which by the way, if I'm reading tea leaves there, it tells me that there's a lot that his attorney is doing to settle a bunch of civil suits and maybe get this whole thing to go away. Again, I'm guessing because, but again, when it's usually quiet, it usually means there's some there's some back end deals that are going on. So even if that's the case and, and Deshaun gets the benefit of that, he probably still might be facing some sort of suspension from the league. So I feel like, and I'm guessing, of course, I feel like your best case scenario is getting Deshaun Watson after six or eight games because some sort of personal conduct policy will be implemented. If that's the case and you only have a 13 or 14, probably a 14 week regular season, um, it's it's not really worth it to have him on your bench for the possibility that he might play later this year. But if you're drafting him in the 15th or 16th round, uh, I'm all for it because obviously the upside is there. I want to do Sia's do's and don'ts for having a successful fantasy football draft we can do three of each i don't know if you want to do do's first or don'ts i don't know which which what kind of guy you are you're a don't first or a do first kind of guy we but, gotta uh, go chris we gotta go do first 
obviously. Okay. All right. So what? Give, give me three do's, like something that a good fantasy draft will have these three components. Hang on. Let me get my pen. I got to write this down. Yeah. So I, I think I have some do's that apply to fantasy drafts, but just fantasy in general, like post-draft as well, which yeah. I think is, is going to be really helpful to people. So first of all, this is going to sound super generic, but I promise I'll explain it. Identify value. And so you might be like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like, obviously, <laughs> but like people don't really understand what I mean. Right. I haven't explained what value is. Right. So, I mean, obviously, you know, if, if you're drafting and you see a guy that's not drafted and he's like number, he's number 15 on your sheet and it's, you know, round three, obviously that there's probably value there unless yeah. the guy's injured and you don't know it. But what I mean by that is, okay, let's take, for example, Dallas, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Okay. Each of those offenses pass the ball quite a bit. And each of them have three top flight receivers. In Dallas's case, you got CeeDee Lamb, you got Michael Gallup, you got Amari Cooper. Cincinnati, you have the newcomers, uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. And in Pittsburgh, of course, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. What happens inevitably when you have three receivers, one of two things happens. Sometimes people just want to avoid it because like, they don't know who's going to get the lion's mm-hmm. share. But when you have high volume passing attacks like these three, what ends up happening is one or two guys get just thrust up towards the top. Like in this case for Dallas, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper all of a sudden are like somewhere in between 10 and 15 in terms of wide receiver ranks. And then that, what that means is that Gallup is going to far, fall really far. In Cincinnati's case, it means probably Tyler Boyd is going to fall really far. In the case of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it might mean Juju Smith-Schuster is going to fall really far. So that's sort of the value I'm talking about. These are high volume passing attacks. So the idea that Tyler Boyd could outperform rookie Jamar Chase is not only realistic, I actually think it's going to happen. So when you get a guy like a Tyler Boyd or a Juju or a Michael Gallup that that might go in like in a 10 team league, for example, might go in the eighth, ninth or 10th round. Yeah. Now you're getting you're getting that, whereas other people were taking CeeDee Lamb in the second or third round. And yeah, yeah. CeeDee's a better receiver, but that doesn't mean the outputs are going to be that dissimilar. So that's that's number one on value. Um, having a game plan going into your draft. I don't know. I, I want to ask you guys, do you all know, uh, and for the Lobos draft in particular, do you know your draft position far before the draft? We try to do it a week in advance, and I'm always the big proponent of that. My dad's always like, well, we'll do it right before. And I'm like, Dad, I'll peep some people who put effort into this like to know their draft position. He always finds that to be a meaningless thing. Tell him that there's value in that, see ya. Well, Greg, not only is there value in it, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Is fantasy football fun? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think it's fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I Look, I enjoy the camaraderie of it. Uh, the the kinship, the the draft, the the nuts and bolts of week to week is not that much fun to me. He doesn't love the waiver wire. That's what he doesn't like. But right. but but I should have I should have properly couched that question. The draft is fun, right? Yes. Greg? Yes. Yes. Okay. So if the draft is fun, then. Wouldn't it be fun if you knew your draft position maybe a month in advance? Because now you can strategize and game plan as to who you might draft in the first and second round and who's going to be there in the third and fourth round. Like fantasy football is supposed to be fun. Why not have it be fun two months before the draft because you know your draft position? Okay. Dad, have you ever done a mock draft? A mock fantasy draft? Yeah. What? Of course not. See? Like, Dad, you (laughs) can practice. See, see, this is what we're dealing with here, Sia. 
So, but the thing is, I think mock drafts, I think, I don't think they're valueless, but I don't think they have a lot of value. Like for me, I do self mock. So, so what I'll do is I'll just kind of anticipate because you never know. You never, yeah, exactly. A sock because <laughs> you never know who's going to be in these draft rooms. They have nothing on the lines. Yeah, that is true. Th- yeah. You're not really getting a good picture. It's like playing poker online for free money. It's like, okay, this guy's going all in with, you know, ace high. Yeah. So, so my, my point is, mock is, drafts overrated. Put it on the scroll. Hot take from Sia. Yeah. Yeah. We should put that on the scroll. Um, So, yeah. So my point is, it's just nice to know if I'm the third pick, like I've got a shot at Zeke or Barkley or Kamara or Derrick Henry, whoever I decide I want to take there. And then at least I can game plan. Well, who do I think is going to be there in the second round? I think it's fun to know those things because what you can do, and this is helpful in fantasy drafts, is you can start to game plan. All right. This is the makeup of my team. This is how it's probably going to go if I have the third pick overall. And so now you can enter the draft with kind of like a soft tentative game plan and you can kind of see, okay, well, if I take running back early and I take another other running back, what receivers are probably going to be available? When am I going to take quarterback? And so I think that's a really good way to sift through what your makeup is going to be. Speaking of draft order, um, in, in a 10-team snake draft, you prefer to pick when? It depends on the season, uh, but I probably prefer to pick somewhere between pick one and five. And if I'm not pick one and five, I'll probably go towards the back end, like nine or 10. Okay. So it's the it's the middle it's it's the sixes and sevens that are like death valley. Generally speaking, unless I mean obviously every season's different. I mean this season running back's pretty deep, so it's not really death valley this year. But I I like to have um, bookend picks if I'm not going to be near the top because then I can just snatch two guys and I kind of have a much better idea of who I'm going to get when I game plan my draft. Um, see, I'm curious what you think about um, uh, this relates to. to I mean, geez, did I get his don'ts yet? I mean, geez, we're just moving on. Oh, we didn't get the don'ts? I mean, geez. Okay. Dun- Duncan don'ts. What? <laughs> oh, hey oh. <laughs> so bad. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Can I do one more do, though? And this is like post-draft stuff. Wow. Four do's. Please do. Four do's. So, Your do. So a- <laughs> Looking at Yeti, this is so priceless. Um, <laughs> so the waiver wire. So a couple things. Don't be too hasty in just like dumping people that you believed in two weeks before in your draft. So uh, Justin Jefferson's a good example of that. He sort of flopped week one and week two, and all of a sudden he was basically the best rookie ever from weeks three forward. So don't be too hasty to dump guys if you're not really sure. But also if, if using the waiver wire early, I think is something you should probably do. Whether you have like a fab budget, you have dollars to spend, or whether you're just kind of like, you know, you have the order of where your waiver wire is. A lot of people wait and they end up waiting too long and the value is just sort of sapped out of the market once like week five, six, seven come along. So my, my idea there is just, you know, keep improving your team after the draft. In, in the first and second week, you're going to have way more people to potentially add. Wow. Okay. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Solid fourth do. I'm not a I'm not a waiver guy. That's that's one of the reasons the Lobos uh, yeah. uh, do not reign supreme is that um, my brother, who's retired, you know, spends hours on the waiver wire. I don't pay any attention to it other than, you know, I try not to start guys who are on a bye week. I try not to start injured guys or guys who have just deceased. Can we just focus on like like that? Like you just like saying out loud how terrible of a fantasy owner you are. It's right. just not beneficial for anybody. Okay, like, I'm sorry. But those are the don'ts. Like, Sia doesn't even have to tell us now. Because just listen to Greg talk right. for a minute. Yeah. You've got your list it's of don'ts. Right, his number one don't was don't start guys on a bye week. So I already covered that's, that. That's true. Don't start injured players. That's, that's a very good point. Hey, Greg, how many times have you done that? Oh, once oh, a year at least. I would say once a year, maybe. At most. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'll give you a couple don'ts. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Greg just covered pretty much all of them. Uh, but <laughs> so th- th- there's certain like old school mentalities. No offense, Greg, uh, wh- right. where it comes to like drafting a QB early or or, or <laughs> drafting handcuffs and things like that. I mean, you, whoa. Like, so wait a minute. I'm mm-hmm. I, I am a handcuff guy. Baby. The hell does that mean? What's wrong with that? It's like when you draft a running back, let's say you draft a running back in the second or first round. Like later on in the draft, you draft his backup. So if he gets hurt, uh, I, like okay. that seems obvious to me. Why is that not a smart play? It is a smart play, and so uh. that's 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 what I'm saying is. Oh, he oh they were anti handcuffs. I'm sorry. I exactly. So it's it's idiot. just one of those things where you might hear like talking heads say, "Oh, don't waste a pick on that." You might you might be able to find you know a diamond in the rough, and you're you're having to anticipate injuries when it comes to stuff like that. No, I mean if you have Dalvin Cook who, by the way, does get dinged every once in a while. Mm-hmm. You you should pick up Alexander Madison at some point, hopefully yeah. in the 11th or 12th round. Actually, Madison would probably go a little earlier, even in a 10-team league. But same with Zeke, with Tony Pollard. I mean, you could literally go down the list of like the top six or seven running backs and all of their handcuffs are viable. So, Love a handcuff. Handcuffs are great. In fantasy <laughs> and in the bedroom. Oh, baby. Is, it, um, <laughs> is that in the same category as if I pick – Patrick Mahomes, I'm more likely to pick Travis Kelsey or oh connections. That is that is a good question, though. It's not yeah, it's not in the same category as that. You're talking about essentially stacking, which is which is a term we use in the daily fantasy community more than we do in year long. But it's the same concept. And, and I think when when you are in if you're drafting Mahomes and you want to draft Kelsey or Tyree Kill, that's a high octane offense. It completely makes sense. I have no issue with that. I, I think when you get into trouble is when you start stacking. Teams that like, let's say you stack two with Tagovailoa and Devonte Parker. Yeah, there you go. Or, or even <laughs> even two and Jalen Waddle, which 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 might actually work out. But the, the point is, is if you don't have a high octane offense, and if both of them fizzle out, you're, you're probably going to have a problem. But with in the case of Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers, or the Kansas City Chiefs, or some of these other high powered offenses, you're probably okay. This is sort of a parochial Miami question, but. The Dolphins do have a pretty good wide receiver room with with Waddle, He's gonna ask Parker, to, uh, and and Will to, uh, uh, and Fuller. Uh, of those three receivers, like who do you pick first in a fantasy draft? I so I don't trust that Fuller, especially in a PPR league, is going to get consistent targets. And because of how high they drafted Jalen Waddle, I think it's got to be Jalen Waddle. I don't I don't trust Devontae for almost the same reasons that I don't trust Fuller. And both, by the way, have a pretty significant injury history. So Waddle would definitely be the guy for me. I mean, Will Fuller, though, those three games, he's going to be healthy. He's going to be damn good. <laughs> that's right. And by the way, that's the difference between daily fantasy and year-long fantasy. There's plenty of guys that I like in, in DFS where I don't like them in year-long. Do you have any more don'ts? Because I wanted to mention one other question to you. No, I'll, I'll give you one more, and it's super obvious. Uh, I think some people, when they're drafting, and this is kind of more for the novice, uh, the novice person, they are trying to fill out their starting roster before oh, like, yeah. adding depth. Mm-hmm. And you should never consider your starting positions when you're drafting. Just draft for depth no matter what. Like if you have five running backs and you have five receivers and you have yet to take a tight end or a quarterback uh, or a 
whatever it is, a defense kicker, that's totally okay. Just you'll get those eventually. If that's your game plan, you want to take quarterback super late, you might be able to get away with it. Same answer for tight end, but just the depth is what really wins you championships because you can sustain injuries when you have depth. So load up at the key positions and then grab the other guys later. Can we shame everybody that drafts defenses and kickers before the final two rounds? How, like, how do we feel about this? <laughs> I mean, kicker in the final round is what you should do. The thing about defense is I actually don't mind drafting a defense in like the 12th or 13th round if you see that the matchups for them are just amazing. If it's just a high-powered defense and they've got like the Jets and, you know, whoever (laughs) else, you know, turnover-prone teams in the first, you know, two or three weeks, the Giants, you know, the the Bengals pre-Borough that's probably where you want to say, well, I get three or four weeks with this like really elite defense against really bad teams. I'm going to go ahead and spring on them in the 12th round because the reality is there is value in the 12th round at receiver and tight end and all these other places. But if you, if you draft it a certain way, you can sometimes get away with taking a defense earlier. See, you, um, this is another one of these things unique to this season, such as when I mentioned Deshaun Watson earlier. There are a couple of very notable fantasy performers who are famously or infamously unvaccinated and therefore perhaps more prone to having to take a week off. They include Josh Allen and Kirk Cousins. Uh, Is that something you give any weight to whatsoever in the drafting process? I probably should, but as of now, I'm not. And it's, it's a really good point. I mean, there's there's plenty of players that could absolutely be out for maybe an extended period of time because they're not vaccinated. And it, you know, let, let's put it this way. I'm only con- going to consider it if it's a tiebreaker scenario, because they could either A, not get COVID or B, get vaccinated, you know, a week later. And, you know, all of a sudden it's not really a big deal anymore. So it's a, it's something to consider, uh, but it's not something I've considered yet. A few years ago, I won one of my big fantasy leagues because I drafted Alvin Kamara in the 14th round. Wow. And he ended up being like, like it was his rookie year. And and it's not like I knew anything there. You might have said, hey, look out for Alvin Kamara late in the draft. And that's why I drafted him. I don't remember. But give us a, just throw a couple names at us that you see some like real, va- like potential real value, like 10th round or later this year. Okay. So, so super late guys, well, I'll give you some that are maybe ninth round or later, but frankly, they'll probably move up because of preseason and, and people like us talking about them. But uh, Raheem Mostert is a guy um, you might've seen me, Chris, uh, talk uh-huh. about him on, on a different show yesterday. Uh, I think he's a guy right now he's looking at like 92nd overall because, because Trey Sermon is, is in the mix. Um, I think by the time we all do our drafts, he'll probably be higher than that, but that's a guy I like in that 90s range. But if we're going like off the radar, like 10th round and above, Okay, Gus Edwards, his average draft position right now is 138. Now, J.K. Dobbins is obviously on that team. Lamar Jackson is going to suck up a lot of touches and a lot of touchdowns. But Gus Gus Edwards got a lot of work last year, and it's either going to be him or J.K. Dobbins. This is a team that runs the ball more than any other team in the league. They don't pass very much. And frankly, the receivers they drafted, like half of them are injured right now. So I think it's going to be a lot of of running with Lamar Jackson and company. I think Gus Edwards is interesting. Uh, Other deep sleepers in that like 130, to 150 range. Malcolm Brown, listen, you guys are pretty familiar with what's going on with Miles Gaskin. None of these runners for Miami, with all due respect, um, they're in the NFL. They're awesome. 
runners, but none of them are super talented. Miles Gaskin, I right. believe, was drafted 234 overall. Malcolm Brown is an undrafted free agent. Patrick Laird is an undrafted free agent. Salvin Ahmed is an undrafted free agent. Yep. So it, you get to a point where should it really be that big of a surprise if if somehow Malcolm Brown, who played a decent amount you know, under Sean McVay, mm-hmm. suddenly takes that job or at the very least takes some of the goal line work? I think he's interesting, especially if that offense is as good as people think it might be if yeah. Tua is healthy and the, with the new receivers. A couple more. Xavier Jones, he's the backup to Darrell Henderson. Darrell Henderson, I think, is a really good running back. Um, I think he's better than most people, but he's also prone to getting injured. Xavier Jones is probably the backup there. Uh, Rashad Penny is the backup to Chris Carson. He also catches passes. So if Carson, who famously gets injured, if he gets some some work because Carson is dinged up. That's another guy. I feel like I feel like a decent strategy if you're not somebody who know. Look at depth charts. When you get to this part in the draft, you should be looking mm-hmm. at running back depth charts. If you see a number two running back available that late, right? Like that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. It's like so a guy that's an injury away, kind of. Well, not necessarily an injury away, although that's true. But I think a guy that might not have the running back one position as secure as as you think. In other words, Darrell Henderson's a good example because he wasn't the starter. Cam Akers was the starter and then he tore his Achilles. So there are certain running backs in this league. Like you could even make an argument for Mike Davis, who is, seems like kind of a, well, he is a journeyman, but I love Mike Davis this year. I think he's getting very underappreciated. I'm definitely drafting him in all my leagues, but right behind him, you have JV and Hawkins. He, who was a rookie, I believe. So the, the short of it is taking a flyer on, you know, JV and Hawkins in the whatever, 15th round. It makes sense because Mike Davis is, you know, a 28-year-old journeyman. He could lose his job. At, uh, what, what, what did what did Greg say? Not any given Sunday, but was it never on Sunday? He could lose his job never on Sunday. It was Sunday. like eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was only on Sunday, never on Sunday, and Black Sunday, which he didn't mention, but got, would have gotten wrong anyway. That's correct. We discussed earlier about uh, your interesting and unusual transition from uh, the, the field of law into fantasy football. And we actually had a, a, a random caller call in with uh, a question for you. Hi, Sia. <laughs> I have a question for you, and it doesn't directly deal with your fantasy football knowledge. <laughs> However, it's very important, I think, for everyone that's listening to this to understand that you have given up a lot to have the current position you have with your podcast and devote all this time to fantasy football. Uh, What people don't really probably understand is that you had an unbelievable job as a lawyer uh, working with probably one of the most sought after bosses in South Florida and that you gave all that up. And I don't think that most people would have done that. In fact, as I'm sure you can uh, testify to that, there's people that just would die to work for uh, the attorney that you work for, which, as you know, is Erlene Cody. And I think that okay. it would be very interesting to everyone listening to understand how you could do that and how you could give all that up uh, when you know that, in fact, it's an unbelievable job that you had and that you gave up a lot just to be in the position you're in today. Jeez, she asked longer questions than Greg Cody. I mean, Christ. <laughs> I have a pretty good answer to that, though, because... Erlene, thanks for your question. I appreciate um, you calling calling into the show. So, the, so uh, we were in trial together a lot. And it, it, in zero circumstances when we were in trial, and these were big time trials, by the way, there were zero times where in trial, I was able to bring up Michael Pittman, Russell Gage, or Gabriel Davis. <laughs> and here I can do that. That's wow. your answer. That's a hell of an answer. Yeah, it is a good answer. That's a great answer. So, yeah, there's no way to segue the two professions. 
you know, you can't be giving a closing argument and just throw in a little bit of fantasy advice. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. It's as simple work. as that. All right, let's put a bow on all this uh, fantasy football prep episode. Uh, I'd have to tell you, Greg's Lobos are feeling a little bit more confident now. I think this could finally be the year. Uh, but before it's, it's we end the episode, it's not going to be the year. It's not going to be. Well, I, I'm just I'm feeling good uh, <laughs> tonight before bed when I put the Lobos mint under my pillow and dream big. I'm going to dream big, bigger than ever. It's no uh, such thing as a Lobos. See, I, I I really feel like big things are happening. But at any rate, um, we have a little musical interlude here because um, we had uh, we had a listener. Uh, submit a song that we'd like to play for you. It may or may not be horrible. Let's find out. Yes, this comes from Ben Stem Media. Podcast for sale or oh, rent. God. Sold to sell 50 cents. No shame for Dan or Chris. He ain't got no self-awareness when he Oof. sings. He kind of carries a tune. I'm sweating. Oh, he's a good devil, Greg Soups. He's a man of esteem by no means. Greg ruins the show. <laughs> he's here for clicks. He's totally vain. Rarely does a bag in my day. Only ever three pairs of shoes. A brown shirt, he says, it used to be blue. <laughs> He's best on the phone walking round. It's almost over. Getting there. Tripping on hard network outs. He's a man <laughs> of esteem oh. by no means. Greg ruins the show. Wow, a little backup. All right, that's enough. <laughs> oh, please fade out. Oh, my God, that was terrible. Oh, wait. Oops. Christ. Dana's fat was <laughs> That. See, that's an example of a good song. I mean, Yeti, <laughs> Dad, what'd you think of that first? I mean, uh, honestly, it, it was not as bad as I thought it would be. How's that for a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we should. It's I don't okay. want. I, I don't want to make fun. Like we should encourage people. Send us your songs. Yeah, um, Yeti, you're working on a song right now, aren't you? I am. Let's, I we am. should actually wanna... play. Let's show the people how it's done. Like that was not a good example of a listen. I, I mean, that guy probably spent three months working on that, and I feel like an asshole. But I thank that. I thank that listener. What was his name? Ben. Ben Stem Media. Mm. I thank him for that. It was a nice effort. I was snapping my fingers. So I mean, he's, he's pandering there with the old timey trailers for oh, sale. Lawrence, yeah. Thank you. Let's so just... here's a song that's pretty timely right now, considering recent events in the Greg Cody show and Dan Levitard show history. Here we go. This one's called Holding Out. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be good. Tuesdays he does back in my day. Then his friend Danny left the network for more. Since then, Greg has been working without pay. Whoa, 80 bucks is too much for a parking deck. Good job, Yeti. Very nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the two ends of the spectrum right there, and 
producing me. I feel I'm a jerk now. I'm making, I'm, I'm being too hard on that first song. It, it was fine. Right. Yeah, you are. And, and cause I don't want to discourage random uh, entries like that. Just be better than the first guy. <laughs> We're not playing worse than that on the air. You got to be just better than that. that that's, that's the standard. Right. Hey, that wasn't bad. I snapped my fingers. Uh, speaking of the holdout, um, I want to announce that it's, it's not ending this week, but it's uh, being suspended this week. I am going to be on the show Tuesday. Uh, mainly because Levitard's not going to be in there. I was going to say that sounds like it's ending. You're going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to be there. Are you like Aaron? Are you like Aaron Rodgers, where you're like showing up but you still hate them? Yes, yes. They um, they threatened to fine me fifty thousand dollars a week if I didn't show up. So I am going to. Oh, that's a loss, Jesus. Right. So I am going to be uh, <laughs> be on the show Tuesday. But uh, uh, when I say that the holdout's not ending, it's that um, I got a couple of things. I no longer am going to have to pay eighty dollars out of pocket. To, to pay for parking. That's number one. Number two, uh, the show did agree to play a clip from each week's podcast on the Levitard show. So that, that wow. was big. Um, OC I, is thinking right now. So I'm, that means I'm going to be on Levitard this week. Nice. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. If we, if we pick the one clip that see it wasn't on, you know, something totally different, but um, what clip are we going to play? Well, let's decide, you know, it could be that <laughs> let, let's play a clip of that first song. No, <laughs> God, no. For the love of God. <laughs> I, can it be the boot seats? I think oh, we need to figure boots. out the boot seats conundrum. Yeah, that might be it. I mean, I have my own suggestions, but I'm a little biased. Holding out will get played on Levitard. Relax, Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll be on the Sueys next year. Um, um, yeah, because I'm, I'm getting destroyed in the Sueys this yeah. year. I've got to uh, you know the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody is now a Suey nominated podcast, yeah. although we're getting completely trounced in the polls. But Yeti, I believe you took part in the making of the long stat of the day. So that isn't that technically yeah if that one if that one wins it'll i'll be the michael doliak of that team right. in that championship yeah. so but i'll take it a trophy's yeah. a trophy right it still say suey winner right if that thing wins i mean technically zagaki <laughs> oh <laughs> that was a cast of thousands um are we wrapping this thing up or what i don't have a watch always okay let's wrap it up wrap 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 like last week um see ya i want to thank you for being on the show see you in a john catch it catch all his work over many platforms uh, Christopher, say again where they can. Dad, did you plug his Twitter and his Instagram? Like, you know, give him, give the man a plug. Like, geez. Well, he's at Cianajad, S I A N E J A D. And uh, and what's your Instagram, Cia? I forget. It's Cianajad Sports. There you go. That would have been my next guess. So uh, <laughs> follow this man. His knowledge is uh, supreme on all things fantasy sports, fantasy and, football. And, and since my dad didn't do a good job of teeing up your show, Cia, would you like to plug like the shows you'll be on and people where people can find you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so PJ, an NFL analyst for windailysports.com, uh, analyst for the First Cut podcast with CBS Sports. And actually, I just started a brand new show uh, with CBS Sports. It's uh, Fantasy Football Today DFS. So it, it's basically fantasy football, but with a concentration on things such as uh, what Chris Cody is wearing on his head, which would be DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. So. That's a new show. Again, Fantasy Football Today, DFS. And then, of course, I'm on SiriusXM every Saturday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. We're talking fantasy. We're talking football for those two hours. Late night fantasy. There you go. Do you guys get a bunch of drunk people calling in? Well, not yet. But uh, <laughs> if you'd like to uh, if you'd like to take part Can in Can I call that, in just hammered this Saturday, like midnight? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and and as if his plate isn't full enough, Sia is also negotiating with Graves Lobos to become general manager and uh, and and draft king, the uh, literal draft king of Graves Lobos. So we'll we'll uh, let you know how that turns out. But anyway, podcast family, thanks for joining in again. Hope you enjoyed uh, this episode, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye bye. 
I predict that Greg will take zero of this information he got from Sia today and apply it to his draft. <laughs> he wasn't even listening. He can't tell you three things that Sia told us today. I would like you, Dad, to repeat a couple things Sia said right now. No, I heard everything he said, but I'm going to be very honest with you. On draft day, when I'm picking number eight, and Mahomie is on the board. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I am going to be sweating. It's going to take all of my willpower to not take him. I will admit that. The Lobos. 